Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. I am Liz, one of the se- senior pastors. I haven't said, said it like that, but um, lead pastors, you know, that's same thing um, here at Life. And yeah, thank you for sharing, sharing that sketch that we get to be naturally supernatural. We get to go about our natural lives, bringing the Holy Spirit in every sphere. We don't have to use super religious language or talk all hokey pokey. We can just be ourselves and release the power of the Holy Spirit in all spheres. Um, So here's a story. There was once a young dad. Well, this is for later. I'm I'm holding on to my communion, but it's for later, so hold on. There was once a young dad who had a young family, and he was um, going to leave on a business trip, leaving his young family for a few days to kind of fend for themselves, you know. And the father was anxious, um, you know, leaving his wife with the burden of children and tasks and not being there to the, do the normal things he would do to help out around the house. And um, so he kind of called over his oldest son to have that little pep talk of, okay, while I'm gone, I want you to do what I would normally do around the house. Think about what I would do and you do it instead, okay? And the son was only about nine at the time. And so, of course, what the dad had in mind was, you know, cleaning up after dinner, doing the dishes, you know, taking out the trash, those kind of tasks, right? And when the dad comes home um, from his trip, he asks his wife, you know, how his son had done in his absence. And she says, well, you know, it was really strange. Right after breakfast, he would go make himself another cup of coffee, and then he would go to the living room, turn on the news really loud, and just sit down on the couch for about half an hour. And, of course, the dad began to wonder, you know, if his uh, son had obeyed his uh, request a bit too accurately, right? (laughs) And not the way he had foreseen. So we're kind of finishing up this series uh, about wisdom, and we've kind of focused in on Jesus' wisdom in the Sermon on the Mount. And when we look to what Jesus taught there, the sermon, the teachings, we see that He is showing us a picture of what the Father is like. He says, this is the character and heart of the Father, and you as my followers are to do like him. And thankfully, we follow a perfect heavenly Father, right, who's congruent with his character and his actions, unlike our our little story. Jesus' wisdom for us is to look at the Father's heart and to live out his nature as his new kingdom community. And you know what? The deepest nature of God is just his overflowing, generous love for us, for you and I. Now, when the hearers of um, Matthew 5 sat down to listen to Jesus preach on the side of this mountain. When they were listening to Jesus preach, they did not have the full revelation of the New Testament. You know, this had not been written or lived out yet. 
And so they're, they're listening to Jesus' words as like, they're, they're the first words kind of on the scene of what's been happening um, in this period of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was silent for about 400 years. People didn't know what God was up to. They're just hoping and waiting for these prophecies to come true, that God would actually change the world. And they're sitting there on the side of that mountain getting a glimpse of it coming to fruition, right? Their mouth starts watering and their, their heart starts beating a little faster because they realize God's up to something. He's doing something. This guy, Jesus, it sounds like he wants to, to change the world. But what they're, they're expecting is that, you know, these new values, they're going to be lived out through like a physical government that's going to change the scene, and what Jesus is saying, you know, these values that I'm going to teach you, they're going to be lived out in this community. And this community of kingdom believers is going to change the world. And it's going to be countercultural. And it's going to be upside down. And it's going to be countercultural even to the religious leaders and the way the Pharisees lived. And a lot of people knew the law and what it was about. And Jesus takes the law and he sums it up by saying, love God with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself. Because as Jesus is teaching, he's kind of tackling some difficult topics in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's doing it because relationships are the foundation of the kingdom. He's saying relationship with me, relationship with each other, that's most important. So I'm going to go there and dig a little bit inside your heart in uncomfortable spaces and make you think a little bit because relationships are so important to the Father's heart. And Jesus' kingdom wisdom is that God's heart is very generous in relationships. It's very generous in love. And so he's saying, we are to go the extra mile in relationships. We are to give honor and love to fellow image bearers. And so we're going to look at Matthew 5. Let's see where we're at. 38 through 42 to see kind of what... what Jesus, you have to say more about relationships, about reflecting the Father's heart. So I'm going to have it up on the screen. You can also open your devices or your Bible starting in 538, and I'm reading from um, the New Living Translation. So this is Jesus' teaching about revenge and then about loving your enemies. He says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, 
love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So in both, in both of these paragraphs, Jesus is referencing the law of Moses, and yet he's setting up and interpreting a new kingdom mindset with new values. And he's taking the heart of the law and, and he's repackaging it for this new community that he is creating. And see, the law, um, it did have, it did set a precedent that um, legal punishment would fit the crime, right? So authorities and people that exercised justice, you know, it was set up that you would uh, give a punishment that fit the crime. So you wouldn't overindulge in punishment just because you had the power to do so, right? There were boundaries within um, legal punishment. And so he's referencing that. But he's saying, you know, um, this idea of punishment has gone further than just in the hands of the authorities. It's become a value that's in our own individual hearts that we are in charge of our own justice, right? We're in charge of our own personal retribution. And Jesus is saying, it's better to have no vengeance at all. Don't take that path of personal retribution. He's saying, offer the other cheek. Don't retaliate. Even though the world gives you every reason to do so. So there's like some kingdom values that he uh, kind of establishes early on in this sermon that I preached about a few weeks ago in the Beatitudes. And I'm just going to put them up on the screen in a way that just reminds us of these kingdom values versus the world's values, right? So Jesus says, you're blessed when you have the heart of the Father, when these are your values. And the world says, actually, you're going to win the day when these are your values. So let's go um, to the first slide. Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn, who are meek. And the world says, you're going to win the day if you're self-confident and competent and self-reliant. If you're pleasure-seeking, if you're proud, if you have your own back, right? Which sounds more familiar when I read it. Honestly, when I read this, sometimes I don't see Jesus' values as most familiar in my brain space, which is, which is a hard pill to swallow because I've been following Jesus for many, many years. But what resonates most in my brain is the world's values. Those are like the quickest to recall. You can go to the next slide. A hunger for righteousness, merciful, 
pure in heart. And the world says, to be satisfied, well-adjusted, practical, self-righteous, able to take care of yourself, be sophisticated, be educated, broad-minded, be an adult. Right? You can go on to the last slide. Jesus says to be peacemakers, that you'll be persecuted. And the world says be competitive, be aggressive. Be agreeable, don't rock the boat, right? Be inclusive. These are hard things to wrestle with. Jesus' values and the world's values. But Jesus is saying, you live at the heart of my blessing, right in the center of my blessing. When you live by my values, when you live out my character, the Jews thought, okay, when you live all the right ways, follow the law in all the right ways, you'll eventually get rewarded with God's blessing. You remember, Dan, if you weren't here last week, he put up a, a strip of masking tape on this wall just to be a visual reminder of what uh, the, the Pharisees used to think, that you know, if you could just live all the rules and never cross the line, then you would receive God's blessing. And Jesus is saying, you can live in the center of my blessing right now when you share my heart. It's not about a future reward. It's about my presence living with you here and now. And you can, you can see clearly, I can see clearly through this list about how the world comes at me to just say, you know, you take care of yourself. Don't let anyone walk all over you. Get back at people. Be aggressive if you need to. You got to stand up for yourself. I can clearly feel that value system pushing in on me in any given situation. And Jesus says, if you're going to live out this teaching about um, not taking revenge, about loving your enemies, you're going to need my heart. You're going to need meekness. You're going to need mercy. You're going to need peace. You're going to need a whole different heart space than what the world is telling you. So Jesus gives these sketches. He gives three specific sketches that are very cultural. So they're hard for us to kind of uh, read and just like understand in the same way the people sitting on the mountain are understanding them. So just to give you some context, when Jesus is talking about um, being slapped on the right cheek, right? I mean, in one sense, that is a form of violence. Like, you don't want someone to just come up behind, you know, slap you on the cheek. You would, you would be like, what? So the, there, is a, there is a form of violence there. But it's also something that's lost on us because that being slapped on the right cheek was one of the highest insults you could give in Jewish culture. It was a, a very clear statement of what you were doing to somebody. It was so offensive that you could actually take another person to court for doing that to you. Um, and Jesus is not advocating that we would just stand and take abuse. That is not what he's saying. Okay, He's not saying um, that we can't ever uh, exercise self-defense or um, that we can't 
set boundaries, you know. In fact, setting boundaries is actually a very loving thing to do if it keeps somebody else from causing harm. What he is doing is using hyperbole, right? He, he does this the whole, throughout the whole sermon where he takes a, a cultural uh, sketch that people will understand and he kind of like, you know, uses it in a bigger way to explain his point. So he kind of exaggerates it. He's not saying to just stand there and take abuse. What he is saying, when you are insulted, don't turn around and try to get back at that person. Yeah, <laughs> revenge. When, when people hurt us, when people offend us and injure us, we do often feel that nudge to want to retaliate, to defend ourselves, to get back at somebody. Okay, I see this really clearly in my own house. So I know that the human pull <laughs> to do it. In sibling rivalry, it is the most clear, okay? And it's really hard for me to handle sometimes as a mom. But I'll tell you what it sounds like in my house. I have to get back at her to teach her what it feels like for her to do that to me. True exact words, quote for quote. <laughs> there is this, this human-like urge to want to get back at someone so they understand the pain and offense that they caused you, right? You want to show them the same thing because that is what makes it all right in your heart. No, actually, it's what perpetuates the cycle in our hearts. And so that's what, what Jesus is showing us. He says we are not to be characterized by that type of I'm going to get back at you mentality. So I, I think about it like, you know, if someone blasts you on Facebook, don't retaliate. If someone ghosts you as a friend, don't do it back to them. When your spouse wrongs you, don't give them the silent treatment just to get back at them. Guilty. <laughs> Sorry. When someone gossips about you, brush it off and choose to still speak well of them. Don't gossip back at them. When someone might take a, a advantage of your generosity, don't let it in, embitter you to still be generous. When someone disagrees with you, maybe strongly, you still support their good. You don't just write them off. Love is not agreement. The examples, I mean, I could, right, we can just go on and on, right? What Jesus is, is saying is, what I imagine him saying is when you find yourself in enemy mode, ready to just stand up and defend and fight and take justice into your own hands, stop the cycle of enemy mode and turn away from it. 
acknowledge like I'm in full-on enemy mode. I am mad, and the fire is rising up inside of me, and I feel hurt and taken advantage of. And he is saying, stop the cycle. Recognize your enemy mode and take that justice to me. Turn the other cheek. Turn away from enemy mode. The second sketch is if someone sues you in court for your, uh, your shirt, give them your coat too. So back um, in Jesus' time, a lot of people only had an outer coat, an outer garment and an inner garment, right? A shirt and a coat, so to speak. And if someone was suing you um, for your garment, it was like they were suing you for like literally all you had, right? They didn't have a lot. So if they were trying to sue you, they were trying to sue you for all you were worth. And it was actually written into the law that you could retain your outer garment because a lot of times you used your coat as your blanket. So it was like you could still retain your blanket. But what Jesus is saying, if someone's trying to reduce you to nothing, package up your blanket and give it to them too. I mean, that seems outlandish. But he's saying, you know, the posture of Jesus is going to stand out. When someone is trying to shame you and take advantage um, by using their power-hungry position against you, it's not going to win the day. When people are met with the generosity of Jesus and the heart of Jesus, they don't know what to do because it goes against everything that, you know, the power-hungry are after. It doesn't make sense to the evildoer. It doesn't make sense to the average citizen of this world to be met with the generosity of Jesus. So when somebody is trying to get at you, offer them generosity. That just doesn't make sense. That is nothing that the world teaches. The third sketch is that in Roman society, Roman soldiers were actually allowed to force civilians to carry their equipment one mile. And not more than one mile. You could, they could do it one mile. They could say, hey, one mile. Here's my stuff. And then Dan, citizen, would have to carry my stuff one mile. And after one mile, I could take it back. I could, I guess, grab another citizen and then just, you know, keep the injustice going. But when he, what Jesus is saying, when this happens to you, don't get all riled up. Like, don't react and make a big fuss about it. Offer a second mile. Even though the second mile is not required, offer a second mile to show the generosity of God inside you. When you have a different heart space than the world, that is going to change, that's going to change the world. 
is when we show up with generosity and a different heart space than what the world says to do. The world says, get back at them, get angry, retaliate, show them how pissed you are, right? Jesus said, that's not the community I'm building. Then he says, you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but that's not actually what the law says. He quotes a misinterpretation of what the people thought the law said. Because God didn't hate his enemies. He hates evil. And while he hates evil, hatred is not his way towards people. So people misinterpreted the law saying God hates evil and he hates anybody that's against him, his enemies. And, he, and Jesus is saying, no, in fact, God gives rain and sun to everybody. I'm trying to see where it says that. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. God is abundantly gracious and loving to all. He doesn't withhold himself because you're crossing this line over here. And so what he's saying is we get to reflect the heart of the Father. We get to be loving and gracious to all. Whatever situation we find ourselves in where these world values really push on us, to say, okay, this is how I'm going to respond and this is how I'm going to react because I'm in enemy mode <laughs> and that is what I feel justified to do. Jesus is saying, turn away, come to me, humble yourselves and reflect the abundant generosity of the Father because Jesus gives us his absolute abundant generosity of love. I like the way the message sums this up. He says, well, Eugene Peterson says, as his translation, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out, out of your true selves, your God-created selves. So instead of using our energy to fuel that enemy mode, he says, use that energy towards prayer for the person that has wronged you. Try that. That's really challenging. But we can also pray that God would release the bitterness in our heart, right? That he would heal our hearts, that he would bless them, that that person would know God too, we can pray for other people to be healed by their wounds and how they're acting. We can pray for God's goodness and blessing to reach that person in the same way it reaches you because God's goodness goes out to all people. And we get to live the heart of the Father as kingdom people. So my call to action for you today is um, summed up in this picture uh, that my friend, it might be hard to see, 
My friend, Pastor Jason, posted this uh, this week, and I was like, that sums up my sermon, Jason. If you can't read it, I'll read it to you. It says, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, pray for your enemies, repeat. And then he said, today and every day. (laughs) Right? Turn the other cheek, which I will remind you is turning away from enemy mode. Okay, just keep that in your mind. Turn the other cheek, turn away from the enemy mode inside you. Go the extra mile, show generosity even when it's not deserved. Show generosity and then pray for your enemies. Pray for those that offend you, pray for those that hurt you. Pray for your enemies and repeat. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org, lifemohammed.org.